Is it is it fun, faith, facts, and and family? Is that it? It's, it's faith, fun. Of, yeah. There's some alliteration. Yeah. Virility. Well, welcome to the Exude That Christianity podcast, uh, where we talk about faith, family, <laughs> fun, etc. I'm Jeremy. I'm Robert. And yeah, welcome back. So um, we've had a bit of a uh, unintended hiatus, and just to kind of fill those in listening at home, and I know I've talked about being pregnant, but me and my wife did suffer um, infant loss. We lost both of our twin girls, and so we were out dealing with that in the hospital, and um, we'll definitely spend some time. We'll probably do an episode dedicated to kind of going through all that and some of the things that God has um, shown me through it. Um, but that'll be for another episode. But I am excited to be back and excited to kind of get back um, having these conversations because they're one of the things I look forward to every week. Yeah, and uh, and first and foremost, our prayers are going to be remaining with you and your family through all of this and. Uh, it has led to some a lot of writing that I've been doing on my end as far as how we deal with the different trials that we're uh, facing all mm-hmm. the time. Within just a matter of weeks, uh, I had one friend lose his house to a tornado. I had uh, you and your family and their loss, and then uh, just a, a little bit of a cancer scare, you know, with some other uh, uh, people and everything. And so all these things were coming around at the same time, and it really... Uh, it really had me analyzing what we do as Christians and some of the things that we have to overcome. But but keeping our faith throughout the whole process is the bottom line. And and uh, and and I know your faith is strong, mm-hmm. boy. If anybody uh, could deal with uh, an adversity of this magnitude, it was it was you and your wife and and where you guys are at in your walk. So uh, we won't delve into that too much because yeah. I'm already starting to get teary eyed. So <laughs> uh, some of the things that we have been talking about, we've been putting on the back burner. We've had a lot of uh, discussions about a lot of different shows that we could come up with and that we could discuss and that we could keep on going with. And, and, and one of the things. Um, we have thrown out there uh, or mentioned at time to time are our preaching styles. You know, and, and I know you, you've you gone before a congregation and you've done uh, sermons and everything and not really uh, so much as like when I've gone to the church and done uh, what would be considered a sermon, it's more of a testimonial for me. Yeah. Uh, I think I came back with one of the huge things, which is probably going to be one of my testimonial uh, podcasts. Um in talking about my experiences with being overseas in that in a, a wartime situation, which boy, if anything's gonna, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, another story, yeah. uh, but but things of that nature, I've done as far as a testimonial. I don't think I've ever actually, and and the more I thought about it, I don't think I've ever come before the church with an actual lesson plan, strategy, sermon mm-hmm. to come out there, and it's not just you know, and I know a lot of sermons can be based on personal experiences and things of that nature. But mm-hmm. and I think in my case, it was more of testimonial than it was anything. And then, you know, uh, unfortunately, going into the trope of, let's find a couple of verses that I can throw yeah. in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, really talking about me, which really shouldn't have been. the I, It well, wasn't I my think, focus, but yeah. it was what I was trying to use to convey. And it just kind of felt a little to me unnatural. I, I, I think I have developed a storytelling now at this point in my life where maybe I can integrate more where it makes sense in the lesson. I think it's all about where it starts. So for me, 
um, sermon preparation pretty much begins the same. Usually there's something that God has already got on my heart. I, usually I'm not you know, going into it with just a total blank. Um, and so usually there's something that either we've talked about in our small group or something that I've, you know, heard a pastor say a lot of times I'm listening to, you know, my pastor preach and all of a sudden he'll say something and I'll go off like in a million different directions with just that little thought. I'm so relieved he that keeps you say this. Yeah. I'm so relieved that you say, cause I feel guilty sometimes just a little bit, uh, while I'm at service and, and I'm the same thing happens. Something triggers. It's either a statement, a sentence, or just something that he's alluding to that I can associate with. And all of a sudden you know, the ADD kicks in. It's like Christian ADD where I am looking at, well, how can I, I think I can use this Mm -hmm. and make a sermon out of it. And then I'm going off on a tangent. Meanwhile, you know, he's still talking. (laughs) I'm not wanting to ignore what, uh, you know, he or she was saying, but you know, and so I will try to bring back myself to reality and let let him get through with his still try to hear the so rest I can of what still work. But say. I'm still jotting some notes every once in a while and, when something comes up. And some of my, and I love kind of looking back. I don't take a ton of notes, but when I do take notes, usually they're totally unrelated, like to specifically what he's preaching on. But, um, but yeah, it is fun and the same. I, I, I do joke that that's why I don't bring my Bible to church anymore because I have a study Bible my dad gave me and I would find myself like getting carried away in the commentary notes and then yeah. it would take me to another place. And so I'm on this like treasure hunt and I'm enjoying it. But then, yeah, I'll, I'll come back to the service 15 minutes later. That's not good when you're supposed to be doing the video and media. <laughs> well, well, and I guess we're both in the same uh, boat in that respect because I do the same exact thing. There's three things really that encompass, well, let's make it four because I am doing the audio video or helping out with audio video stuff. And then uh, part of a team, not just one guy. Uh, and then, but another sermon will pop in my head mm-hmm. or a sermon idea. Uh, I will jump down that rabbit hole sometimes when I'm looking at my study Bible. And, yeah. and once he's hitting on something, I'm like, boom, oh, look at this interesting fact. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm into that, which again, still trying to steer myself back to listening to him. Uh, and then the third one <laughs> And it's just because of what I do with the church is coming up with a message for the church sign. Because yeah, sometimes yeah. <laughs> I like, well, acknowledging the fact that, yes, I'm listening to your sermon. <laughs> yeah. And I pulled this from it because usually it's the, the when I give, I usually give about two or three different choices mm-hmm. uh, of what we're going to put on the sign. We're old school. We like putting the letters yeah, up yeah. on the sign and coming up with something original. And, uh, and And usually out of the three choices that I give them, he recognizes the one that was pulled from his sermon, and he likes using that one. So I always find it kind of interesting and a nice play. And now, there are times where he's conceded to go with a funny message or something that's humorous. But yeah. but for the most part, it, when that focus is right there and he's got a lesson plan that's going to be developing, he mm-hmm. likes integrating that with the sign so that people kind of know where we're at. It reminds people of what that main point was. It kind of emphasizes it. And as and I know because what we're talking about today is different preaching styles. Um there I, and I have a couple of books that were gifted to me um, by my a good friend who's a chaplain, uh, Marshall. He's involved with the Anchor in the Storm stuff, very, very much so. And uh, so I've got a couple of books there. But again, like like with any public speaking, you want to make sure that you can can you summarize the whole point of it in like a sentence, right? Like if somebody leaves there, do they know what you were trying to get across? And if they don't, then you have not really done your job. Um, and so there's different ways, right? So there's there's a couple of different lines of thought. There's some that think you only need to have one point. There's some that are like, hey, you don't you need more than one point, but no more than three points, right? And then you've got some that 
um, they'll have a theme and then they'll bounce around the Bible, like kind of shotgun blast of pulling different things together. So there's, there's a bunch of different ways of doing it, but it all, the, the, the biggest thing I'll say is it needs to be true to the person. And because it, if it does, if it's, if you're trying to do something that some you've heard somebody else do, that may not be your thing. I listen to a lot of preachers and it's funny. My mom, um, when she heard me preach the first time, she's like, I really thought you'd preach more like Stephen Furtick. <laughs> and I, and I don't, I don't preach like Stephen Furtick. I preach a whole lot more like a Matt Chandler or, or really uh, my, my style. And we'll get to this in a minute too, but my style is really through, through one spot. I like to spend a lot of time in one place in the Bible. There's other places in the Bible that those themes and things will certainly reappear and I may reference them. But, you know, I'm preaching Sunday on 1 Samuel 17, right? David and Goliath. And we're going to talk about 1 Samuel 16 because we need to talk about 16. But like, we're not going to bounce around a ton. We're going to stay in there because there's so much in there. And um, I think that we tend to gloss over a lot of the power that are in these stories. And so my preaching style is very much so to stay in that place. And I, and I can see where, and this is probably in like Preacher 101, we'd have to have our gold standard expert on <laughs> uh, weighing in on this. But I'm sure that you kind of have to have a feel for your audience. You have to, because there's no way you're going to be able to reach to them or be able to have them keep up with you mm-hmm. uh, if you can't get a good feel for what your audience is going to be able to really take in. Um, I have seen the multiple, uh, you know, your three points, mm-hmm. your two points, sometimes a one point. Uh, boy, those one points. Mm. But, uh, I mean, you know, you're you're pulling 30 or 40 minutes on one point. That's, boy, that's, that's really, I, I would see that more of a chore than anything. Mm-hmm. But pulling about three points, I think, is on average with some of the things I've seen, up to five, sometimes 10. Mm-hmm. But, um, 10 is like that shotgun, though. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's that shotgun approach. I have seen the different styles that are out there that, that come to mind. You have, uh, and you've got to pardon me on this, the Hellfire and Brimstone. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, a particular church that my sister went to, wasn't ours, um, but she went with some friends, and it was one of those churches. And really, if anything, it scared the bejeebers out of her like she I could see where it would deter someone of a young age that got exposed to something like that, where if you're doing anything wrong, you're going to hell. That kind of thing stuck with my sister. I, I think mm. it gave her nightmares, too. I'm, I don't know if she's, she may have blacked out all this yeah. in her past, <laughs> but I remember it was very traumatizing to her. Um, but you have some that do that. Mm. Now, uh, have we had some that's come through? I don't think we have, really, at, at our particular church. I have seen someone get kind of borderline on it, but they're quick to pull back mm-hmm. and not press the gas any further because I think they could actually get a feel for the audience and know if I take this any further, we may get in too dark uh, into this and everyone's going to feel like we're walking on eggshells kind of uh, thing. But that's one style that I've seen out there is the Hellfire Brimstone. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yeah, so, and I think that some of that is, um, I mean, we're in the South, we're in the Southeast, we're, you know, in the you know, the Bible belt and you're going to have a lot of old school preachers who that was, that was just kind of what they grew up and learned. And so, I mean, you're going to, in some ways, take things that you liked or that you remember and try to emulate that a little bit. Um, I think that we should always be cautious um, to, if we submit to the Holy Spirit, there's going to be times when we, we have challenging teachings. Jesus had many challenging teachings. He told them ahead of time, hey, look, this is going to be hard teaching and you're not going to listen, but I'm going to tell you anyways. And so we can't be afraid of that. We can't avoid the fact of hell um, when we're trying to teach people. But we should um, 
be cautious to, um, I'll, I'll say it this way. I don't preach to help anybody in my congregation. And I know that sounds weird to say, but I preach because I feel like God has called me into this place, into this path, into this role in the church. And so out of obedience to that, I'm going to go up. I'm going to be submitting to the Holy Spirit and what he's revealing to me. I'm going to be um, truthful to God's word and what it says. And I'm not coming there with a bunch of Jeremy's ideas. I'm coming up there with a bunch of um, like insight that has been inspired by God and the Holy Spirit in unison, working together through his, his word. And so I'm going up there for that. And I do not worry about if, like it's not my job to change them. It's it's explicitly the Holy Spirit's job to convict and to um, bring these people back to Jesus, and that's His job. He's going to point to Jesus, and so it's not my job to change. And I think that if we get tied up with like hellfire and brimstone, kind of trying to scare you straight, right? Like you know, they send these kids to the jail and they yeah, get so yeah, scared yeah. they never break rules again. Um, certainly, there's some validity to it. I'm sure there's some research or something that suggests it helps, but I just find that. If I'm being honest, like if, if I'm trying to change their behavior, like if Jeremy's trying to change their behavior, I'm not going to be nearly as effective as if I can just get them to the source of change. If I can get them to understand that maybe that that lukewarm attendance that they've been going through for some time isn't going to cut it. If I can convince them that we need to have a deeper conversation, like I'm teaching about David and Goliath, right? There's going to be people that as soon as they see we're in first Samuel 17, they might try to tune out. And so my job is to express to them how important it is to really survey the text with the help of the Holy spirit prayerfully and um, discover what, what's there but uh, if i'm gonna scare them into submission i just don't think that works as well yeah the act of fear and everything you can see this in abusive relationships mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I've, i feel as though that could be an abusive relationship to me if i were to be with a church that was constantly uh yelling and berating me to tell me that i was doing wrong mm-hmm. uh with everything that i did so and kind of to your first point too you talked about knowing your audience yeah and so yes there's there's an audience that this is their they're kind of preaching and, and Could if be you something know that your they were audience on, yeah. exactly and so um I, and i use paul as the example and i've used this when i've tried to talk to people about like how to communicate in relationships it's you're not you know you're not kissing butt as they'll say to to modify how you say something you're examining your audience and an effective speaker will and determine the best way to get across your message and so paul um when you read hebrews he references a lot of old testament scripture and iconic names of the faith right because he knows that the people he's talking to jews right are going to be familiar and so it's going to have more impact when he's talking to the Romans, he talks differently. When he's talking to the different churches, he's speaking specifically to them. And so the way he's saying the same kinds of things, but he's saying it in a way that they're going to comprehend better. So for some people, and, and so when we're and, and really any of the other styles we talk about today, um, all of them, it's dependent on their audience and their submission to the Holy Spirit. Because some people are called to preach a different way. And so as long as they're doing what they're feeling led to do, then get on them. Furthermore, on why I love and respect Paul more so than just about anybody, not only did he have the gift of gab, Mm -hmm. but he just, he did understand his audience. He did know how to um, just really put things in words for the people who could understand. I mean, obviously God was uh, uh, Mm -hmm. guiding him completely and gave him the talents. 
that he needed to endure everything that he had to endure, even from prison. Me and my dad were just talking about this. Could you imagine if Paul had the internet? Like, I mean, this dude was writing straight up letters and oh. it filled two thirds of the New Testament. If he had the internet to get his message out, I'd be on his blog in a heartbeat. <laughs> and I don't even do that. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but I'd love to hear what we Paul try to get, had to say. Yeah, I'd love to get Paul on the podcast. Uh, here's what Paul said this morning. Um, so, another format, another uh, way that I have seen, uh, and, and I guess, I, well, I, I don't want to say that I haven't seen younger uh, ministers do this, but mostly it's. Uh, some of the older ministers that I've noticed that will come or pastors that will come up and they do more of a study yeah. where they break down the verse and, and it's really not ad nauseum. You know, they do have a way of doing it, but it's more of a study than it is a presentation or something along those lines. And I see a lot of people that will do that. They will sit there and they're breaking like breaking down every sentence yeah. as it goes along. Now, Sometimes people get a little, uh, you know, like we're really analyzing this verse beyond. Yeah. But in some cases, I can see that being a good thing. Others really do like that in-depth study mm-hmm. when you're getting into that in a service. Now, sometimes I feel, and this is, again, this is just Robert, not mm-hmm. not not speaking for congregations or anything. I like having something like that more in a Bible study like prior to the service. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like not a Sunday school or a Wednesday right, night. Right, right, where yeah. you can analyze, just really overanalyze everything and then get those opinions from everybody. But when it's uh, one person just analyzing, analyzing, analyzing it, it gets a little tough. I can see where it could be a, even more challenging putting more on the pastor to have to really get into that study. But that is another style that I have seen uh, in, in some pastors that have come through. And some are very um, like vocabulary heavy. And it's important. I do think that there's certain and kind of the verse that comes to mind. There's when Paul is talking, I, I don't remember what book it's in. So don't, don't get mad at me here. Um, but uh, he's talking about how we are adopted into the kingdom of heaven as, and children of Christ. And he uses the word in this Greek is going to be horrible. It's like, it's like Papa Gogos or something like that, but it's, um, it's like a school teacher. And then, so that, that's okay. Yeah, you, you think you kind of understand what a school teacher is, but then as you dig in and understand kind of the context of what that means, what would happen is orphans would be in the, until someone came or until they were of age to step into what they would go next, right? Maturity or whatever. Um, or until somebody came and got them, they were kind of, this person was responsible for them. So they weren't like a teacher so much as they were like, Hey, I'm in charge of this orphanage and I'm going to take care of you. And I'm probably explaining that even worse than, to really got to get the impact. But the word that Paul is using is a very specific word and Greek is very specific. And so it makes sense on a word like that to stop and say, look, cause you're going to think schoolmaster, you're going to think, Oh, this is just a teacher. Well, no, if you understand that this is someone whose job it is to take care of you until the next person can come and get you. And as we look at that into what, with Christ coming to get us, right? Like now that statement makes more sense and has a lot more impact. So then it, it would make sense, but not every word needs that. <laughs> and there's so many interpretations. We've gone over mm-hmm. how many different Bibles, the yeah, list all grows the translations, on, on yeah. all the different translations. And what I like seeing and what I like hearing uh, as I've gotten older too, is the historical precedence of where we're at in this text and then pulling the actual definition, what that word, what the aromat, uh, what was it, aromatic Aramaic, yeah. uh, meaning was up to, you know, all these others, how the words were formed mm-hmm. and how some Bibles may have this phrase, which could mean something different if, if not taken into context. Mm-hmm. But then looking at 
some of these where this interpretation seems to have it a little bit more on the money mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to us trying to understand it in English, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it but I love difference. it when that yeah. comes through because mm-hmm. then you get that little bit of context, that that full uh, uh, backside, the backstory and everything mm-hmm. so that you can understand more of what this verse is saying. And that is the good part mm-hmm. uh, when you're overanalyzing these scripts because there are there are a lot of words and phrases and things that you're reading in, in a particular uh, version that you have that you may not be getting that full effect. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like, um, you know, we've talked about the version app a ton. Um, and I love the app because you can just, you can swap translations right there and can compare. And I think that's important to do because you can get a little bit more insight. You can get a little bit more understanding. And ultimately that's what we should be seeking is we should seek to understand the word that is written as it is written and not try to take it out of context. Um, I, and I wish that uh, Marshall was here to give his whole lesson on, um, biblical authorship. He's like, but at the end of the day, yes, we understand that God has authored this, but also we have to understand the other author, right? So if we're talking about something Paul wrote, we need to understand Paul a little bit and how Paul likes to communicate because that's going to help us understand what Paul's trying to communicate. Right. So, And not only are you looking at what Paul's trying to communicate, but then you got to realize people were writing, like there were hand-me-downs of these stories were being passed down and being rewritten or written in, in what they thought. What was going to be interpreting what Paul was saying, whereas the, you know, whoever it was that was writing out the Bible at the time or these versions and everything, you don't know if they were really understanding what they were putting the paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so and it, and I don't know how all because some of them, like, for example, Paul's letters are like actual letters. We just they found in it and and then. Right. Many, 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 many moons ago, a bunch of people got together and decided what was going to remain in the Bible and what wasn't. Um, that's not there. So there's there's books that were taken out of the Bible that are informative and certainly will help give you guidance on things. And they're written by people who were of the faith and, and around the church at that time. Um, but, yeah, so uh, the biggest thing, I think, with all of that is. We, we have to we have to get the context, whether that's through vocabulary or historical context, like you said. So it's not just like what Paul wrote, but like when did Paul write it, right? So if Paul is talking about the persecution of the church, maybe we should pause and be like, okay, well, the persecution of the church was not like it is today where, hey, you can't meet because of COVID. The persecution of the church is like, no, if you're a believer and I see you gathering, I'm going to kill you all. Right. And so if you understand that, then you you better understand what he's trying to impress upon you which again, just, it's good. Um, and I think again, knowing your audience, we'll probably say it a hundred times during this podcast. If you know your audience, you know that that's what they're looking for. Um, I know at our church, it seems that Wednesday we dig in a little deeper. Mm-hmm. We spend a little bit more time in one place, but it's also about where the focus is. Um, so I, I think about my Sunday service crowd differently than I think about my Wednesday service. Cause these, the people who are coming on Wednesdays are a little bit more um, devoted. Typically they're doing a little bit more study on their own. Typically they're the people who are volunteering and serving. Um, and of course there's exceptions to this. Um, but the people who are showing up on Sunday, many of these people think that that is all they have to do is show up on Sunday. And so every time I'm teaching on a Sunday, there's going to be some things that I do differently. Like maybe on Wednesday, I'm not going to be as explicit about an altar call or a call to salvation unless I genuinely feel like, you know, the, the Holy Spirit's impressing it on me to do it. Um, but on a Sunday, yeah, you best believe we're getting to Jesus in the cross pretty right. quick, right? Um, and we're going to talk about his goodness in that way. And so 
you you do you think about it a little differently so maybe the sunday crowd doesn't need the big vocabulary lesson but then the wednesday crowd might really appreciate it and i've had some churches or even our church for a good example is where our sunday service was almost like just a second service from the morning service like not the same not the same uh, uh lesson mm-hmm. not the same verses that were being used it was a different but it was pretty much the same template mm-hmm. that, that you had you're talking about the recently. Sunday night service? Right, okay. Sunday night yeah. service. And so now what we've got is uh, we have a pastor who has come in, and he does the morning service, standard. Uh, uh, well, you know, I don't want to belittle that. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, but your, your morning service that mm-hmm. is as usual. And then your evening service, he's actually made this, and it's very cool, where it is more of a study. This is, mm-hmm. uh, we're, even, we're not even meeting in the sanctuary or meeting downstairs. And, and we're all able to have input. He will mm-hmm. ask a question that's not rhetorical uh, and, and lend to, uh, you know, getting everybody to kind of weigh in on their thoughts and what the, how they're interpreting it and seeing if we're on the money or not. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. I really appreciate that. And that's where you get into that uh, the the analysis and everything, really breaking down the verses, which in that part I really do like. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, one more style that I like out there is that one where you have, and this is going back to our storytellers uh, mm-hmm. podcast we'd had a while back, um, where you have a story that's developing and you don't know where it's going it's very quentin tarantino like you're like what is going on and at the very end all of a sudden everything makes sense it all Mm -hmm. comes together and then you're just overwhelmed at the writing uh and how the pastor was able to put that together and that one will blow me away now i know this is very demanding on Mm -hmm. a pastor to be able to pull off something like that every service it's it's Mm going to be almost impossible but to have one of those thrown in there Boy, I, I will sit back and really appreciate stuff like that. And it, and it harkens back to, and I don't know if you've ever seen this or not, uh, but there is a, a, an old TV show uh, called Head of the Class. Have you ever seen it? Never heard of it. So <clears throat> now I want to say eh, maybe late 80s, uh, early 90s when this came out. Howard Hessman, uh, actor, uh, been in a lot of stuff, WKRP in Cincinnati. I know you don't know that one either. I believe but, it. <laughs> But he was uh, a teacher being brought into the, I want to say it was the IHP. The, uh, it was like the, uh, the AP uh, folks. Yeah. You know, big time. Uh, the principal was extremely happy that he had this group of very smart individuals and all of them would come in there and they would be ready to be challenging other schools in their uh, IQs and everything. And he was brought in. Uh, as a substitute while their main teacher was out for some reason. I can't remember what the reason was for, but uh, his approach was very much taking all this stuff that they they had had the robotic. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to give you a question. I want that perfect answer, and that's it. They never really got into context. They never got behind the story. They never hit. One of the best examples, and I think it was used in the pilot episode, and I say this because we just got through watching this the other day because I remembered how great this show was mm-hmm. and how – the, the writing of this show was perfect. It was dead on the money. Uh, Hessman was talking about the world of baseball and how it can influence. And this story was being put in with some of the subplots of him being the substitute, not knowing, uh, being out of his league with these kids that are probably way smarter than he is. Mm-hmm. But he's going into, and he keeps on alluding to how baseball can change uh, you know, the world in some cases. And then they finally, at the very end of the show, 
trying to figure out why it is that he keeps on alluding to this baseball that he keeps on holding up in the class uh, throughout the throughout the entire episode. And this is like over a, probably about a week's time during mm-hmm. you know each class. Yeah. Uh, and he talks about the fact that Fidel Castro tried out, and, th- and this is one of those, I don't even know if it's factual, but we do know that Fidel Castro did play baseball, mm-hmm. and that he had tried out in the American leagues and was turned down. They said, and this is like one of those what-if comic books, what if Fidel Castro made it onto a baseball team? Would we have had all the, you know, yeah, would we have had the Cuban Missile yeah, Crisis? Yeah, yeah. Would any of that happen? Had Fidel Castro made it to the Washington Senators or the New York That's Yankees funny. or whoever it was supposedly <laughs> that he had tried out for? And he was talking about that. And they're like never heard of this whole story. All they know are the facts about Fidel Castro and all these, you know, things that he had done, leading the revolutions and doing all this. And they didn't know about the fact that he had come to the U.S. to play baseball or that he played baseball, you know, all these little facts and everything. And it's one of those things where the lesson stuck with him after that. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of style of preaching that I really like and I really appreciate. Not that I'm expecting it all the time, but I really do appreciate it when it happens in the crafting of the storytelling mm-hmm. and then being able to get that lesson in on you at the end. Oh, it overwhelms me. And the and the strength of that comes in the the strength of the analogy Right. Or the strength of the actual story itself, because I think a lot of times and and I know you've heard pastors, they'll go up and they'll they'll tell some goofy story. And you could tell that it's probably straight out of a preacher storybook. (laughs) And it's you know, and again, it's 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 done to help illustrate. Look, Jesus spoke in parables and he used analogies all the time because it helps people better understand what it is they're talking about. So if Jesus is talking to a bunch of people who are used to being farmers and he's talking about he's the good shepherd. Well, that's going to resonate with them. But if he goes up to the, you know, the city gates and they've never farmed in their life, they're not going to appreciate that as much as, you know, they will other yeah, things. They don't know about the good soil and how you need to rotate crops and all yeah, this stuff, exactly. you know, that, but yet you have an audience where we're at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to understand that in a heartbeat. They're going to understand that. And so, yeah, I can think of uh, <clears throat> a several I, I, examples and usually the examples, I, I can't think of many preachers that that have done that to me well i can think of guys who minister they're not necessarily pastors at a church but i think about like michael jr he did a um he does a comedian like a comedy special but then like over the course of it he's dropping these little nuggets and then at the end all of a sudden you're in a sermon Mm -hmm. and you're like wow i love how we got here and i know we talked about this in another podcast um but yeah there's there's a real gift in it um but again i think so for example i'm going to preach on david and goliath and one of my main points is, and kind of the thing that inspired me to focus on this, especially through everything we've gone through with Amelia and Cleo and losing the girls, has been there are things you have to know beforehand, right? The, the battle that David and Goliath, that, that battle was not won in the Valley of Etah, right? That battle was won when David was in the field learning how to shepherd and be obedient and spend time with God, right? So how can I express that? Well, if someone was not me and did more of a storytelling, that kind of approach, maybe you, maybe you know like football's big in the South. And maybe you talk about how, you know, Alabama wins a lot of games in the locker room because they're more prepared. They have their own identity. They play football their way. They, they don't change the way that they play based on who they're playing. They just show up and they win the game in the locker room, right? The other team is already out of it before they ever step on the field. If I sell that story well enough, then by the time I tell you that David won the battle before he ever stepped in front of Goliath, you're going to understand it better. You're like, oh, you're right. He was right. Because the moment of victory that we see in the story of David and Goliath does not occur in 1 Samuel 17. Because that battle, Goliath never stood a chance. 
because David already knew God and and that's it. So it's, it sucks to be Goliath yeah. because God steamrolls Because the real victory wasn't when David was carrying his head around Mm-mm, or no. anything like that. No, exa- exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you'll hear me say that on Sunday if you show up. But that's the thing, yeah. And so, uh, but that's that's one example where I could start with that story and lead into, right? So one of the first things, and, and kind of give you some insight, like when I'm actually crafting the sermon. So I know what I'm talking about. The question is, how do we get into it? Right. Like, how do we actually get into the teaching? And that transition time, um, a lot of pastors do a lot of different things, um, like the Village Church, which is Matt Chandler's church. One of the things that they do is they have a different church leader or different someone who volunteers in their church read the verses that they're going to be talking about. And they just go up, they introduce themselves very briefly, talk about the organ, like the, the part of the church that they volunteer with, and then read the verse. And then he'll go up and like thank them, highlight a couple of pieces of that verse, and then boom, you're into teaching. Right. And it's it kind of it kind of eases you out of because that's the thing too. Um, worship is all about giving, right? What can I give God? Right? A lot of people they worship and they they feel peace and they they feel good and they, they want to stay there because they think they're getting something. But what's happening is they're giving everything and they're getting in the presence of God what they're giving. And then because you're in close proximity to God, you feel these other things, you feel his attributes. So we have to transition from giving God worship into now receiving what God has for us. And that's a weird transition for a lot of people to make. And so as a as a preacher, right, when you're up there, you've got to figure out how do I help them shift gears, right? Because what happens if you miss a gear, right? The car doesn't run as smoothly. Right. So we don't want it to be clunky. We want it to flow. Um, and so sometimes you can do that through a story. Sometimes you do it through a funny thing that happened during the week if it's relevant. Um, and then other times you you just address the kind of obvious. And then so in my example or in my sermon on Sunday, I'm going to address the obvious, which is that all of you have probably heard of David and Goliath. And I recognize that. And some of you are going to try to tune me out already. However, we have to fight against that because there's things in the text that can be revealed to us because this is not the version your grandma told you. This is the version that's in the Bible. And we're called into a deep relationship with Christ, which means we need to have deeper conversations than just go out there and be fearless and beat Goliath. That's not that's not what we're talking about. So we're going to dig in deep. And so with that in mind, we can then dig in deep, right? right? And so um, the stories, like I said, and, and it feels, you can tell when people are being authentic and they have a real story to tell. And then you can tell when they're, Hey, I've, I know I need to do something here. I'm just going to tell a funny kind of story. And so, um, and sometimes the story doesn't necessarily have to tie in directly, but like you said, there's something real special when they tell a story about how, you know, they crashed their lawnmower into the pond and you, know, you think it's just a funny story and you laugh and then you get into the teaching and then it talks about, or at the end, all of a sudden it's talking about things not going your way, but God being able to pull you out right? Right. or something. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I remember one of the jokes that I led in with because I always feel like I I, I was in that dynamic where you open with a joke, get mm-hmm. everybody you know yeah. laughing and everything, mm-hmm. and then you start in yep. with the message. But I did try uh, try my best to find a joke, and I'm gosh, I, I'm at a loss on on the guy's name, but he is uh, Jerry Clower. Uh, of course, always great with some of the uh, comedy and everything, and mostly uh, I, I think actually all of the stuff that he did was clean. But one of the things that I did use when I was up there giving my testimony on just being a soldier and the things that I've had to do. One of the things that everyone's always associated a soldier with is being a hero. Uh, but one of the, th- <laughs> one of the jokes he had had was that there was this family that had come through 
there was this burning house. <coughs> Excuse me. There was this burning house, and the uh, this family comes through with this truck, just driving ninety to nothing, mauls over the house and everything, helps them put out the fire, and everybody was thinking this family was heroic. What heroes these were! And then they get out of the truck and they realize that the guy's brakes had gone out. You know, that was the, the oh, you know, it was yeah, just yeah, the yeah. way he crafted it and everything that was the punchline was that the, the, they were no heroes. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the way funny. I felt is, you know, it, people may come up to me and address me and label me as a hero just because I'm wearing a uniform. But in fact, you know, it's just the fact that, well, my brakes are out. I don't know. <laughs> you know. I did what I had to do, but I don't consider myself necessarily a hero because I did it. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's how I was able to tie that in. And that's, you know, it, it, that crafting, it, it means something instead of just going out there, throwing out a, a joke blindly, and then going right into a, a lesson. And I do see that in a lot of pastors. They are, the, the jokes that they use, uh, the, the lead-ins that are funny and everything, do tie in with what they're about to present. So it works out well. But great examples all around. I don't know if you have any others, or we're pretty much out of time. But, uh, but I, I know you've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, I could, I could, <laughs> I could continue talking about um, preaching. It's, it's an exciting thing. Um, it is a burden, and anybody who preaches understands. Um, we take very seriously the responsibility to be true to what God has, and so um, I, you'll never hear me. I won't give people unless it's just a blatant, like, not truth, right? So if somebody's out there telling you that it's going to be smooth writing as a Christian, I'll, I'll tell you that you're full of garbage. Right. Um, but outside of that, I understand that there's a burden and not everybody is a great storyteller and everybody's a great, um, presenter, but some people just feel like they're supposed to be up there. And so I respect that. Um, any, any preaching style that someone has, as long as they're being true to God's word, um, in tune with the Holy spirit and prayerfully approaching it. Um, you know, it's not about an audience. It's about that single life. If you can, if you can help them understand, right, help get them the wisdom that they're desperately seeking. Um, then you've done your job, even if it's just one. And you got to be okay with that. Or like me, just don't care if, I don't care if any of them get it. Um, I know I've, I've learned a lot during this week of study and preparation. And if that's all I get, that's all I get. But I'm just confident that God's got something better. So I'll, uh, I'll close this because I know how uh, much you hate praying. And then, (laughs) and then, uh, yeah. And then guys, we'll see you, uh, uh, in next week's podcast. Excited to be back. So yes. glad to be back. It's good. Indeed. Um, God, we thank you for this day. God, thank you for just an opportunity to share um, conversation with uh, with a friend, God, and thinking on things of you. God, I ask that you bless this time. Thank you for all the different ways that you help us communicate your word. God, guide us in all that we do as we preach your goodness and your gospel. God, we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for you, God. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Not bad since we're back in your chatty cathy. Right, well, we're talking about something I got something to say about. You've been listening to Exude That Christianity Podcast, part of the Anchor in the Storm outreach. We hope you like what you've heard, and if you're looking for more resources, look us up online at anchorinthestorm.net. There, you will find links to our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and much more.